0: Hi, my name is Chrissy Downs. I'm 16 years old and I'm a Year 10 student and part of the School Strike for Climate movement. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming here today. We are here to participate in School Strike for Climate's Solidarity Sit Down with the purpose of sending a strong and clear message to the federal, state, and local governments that we demand immediate action on the climate crisis and the bushfires that
1: it fuels.
3: The will to act is itself a renewable resource. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Climactic, the podcast by and for Australia's climate community. This time we teamed up with 2040, the smash hit documentary many of you will already know. And if you're joining us today for the first time because of 2040, welcome. We've covered every school strike in the last year, from Melbourne, but also Brisbane. Sydney, and even Early Beach, and you've got many other great episodes waiting for you. At the end of the episode, I'll let you know more about the collaboration with the 2040 team. But this episode is special because the School Strike movement has evolved. Not sure what I mean? Well... I'll let Chrissy take it from here.
0: I've been part of the movement for around five months now. I got involved through a friend, and I can safely say it's been the most awesome five months of my life. Being able to be part of something so much bigger than myself is so incredible. In terms of things that have empowered me the most, I would have to say it would be uh, I was giving a presentation on the psychological effects of climate change at a town hall. And afterwards, I have two lovely 80-year-old grandmothers come up to me after the speech and ask me about how to host an eco-friendly Christmas party for their street. And it's moments like that that really fill me with so much joy and get me so excited just to see how many people are doing the little things and everything that they can to make this world a better place. So we have three key demands which are no-new coal, oil and gas projects, including Adani's mega coal mine, 100% renewable energy by and exports by 2030, and, of course, funding for a just transition and jobs for fossil fuel workers and communities. Special requirements for our Solidarity sit-down today that we're also asking for is increasing support for Indigenous land management and increasing support for the Rural Fire Service. In terms of how people can get involved, if they type in school strike, Red Cross... School Strike for Climate has partnered with the Red Cross, who are supporting communities from across the country. We are donating money from today to raise money for the Red Cross, which uses that money to help those that are suffering from the bushfires. You can also donate online. Simply Google School Strike Red Cross and our fundraising page will come up. If I were Prime Minister of Australia, the first thing I would do is definitely to meet the School Strike for Climate's demands. (laughs) I think um, we definitely have a way to be able to make it work. We're only teenagers. We can only think of so much on top of school and jobs and trying to figure out who we are. But if I were Prime Minister and had all the education and resources that I had, I would definitely put it towards making this world a sustainable place For not only the future of myself, my friends and my family, but for the generations to come. I am so inspired by every single person I meet that is doing what is in their power to make the world a more sustainable place.
2: I'm Marco Bilemo, recently graduated year 12 student from Northcote High School and I got involved about three years ago. always knew what was going on. I didn't really know where to put my anger and fear for the future and other people's lives that are already impacted. So it was really when I heard about the Australian Youth Climate Coalition, what they were doing, and then the Stop Adani movement, when I got involved, and that's how I got involved two years ago. Then just for the last year, I've gotten involved with School Strike for Climate, doing as much as I can, and now I'm going to have to move on to a different group because I'm no longer a school student. So people within these movements are having weekly international calls, uh, communicating regularly with what other people are doing. There's definitely much more connection now than ever was before, and this has definitely allowed us to, like, amplify and mobilise the voices of youth all around the world, which is why we're seeing strikes and actions being taken in all parts of the world, Afghanistan, Nepal, Europe, and all over Asia, Australia, America. It's amazing.
0: I have um, many friends, family members and loved ones in general that maybe don't believe that the crisis is relevant to be called a crisis.
2: Everyone does have different opinions and views, even though the science is crystal clear. And I guess the people who are really on the side of denial, I tend to not bother with too much, to be honest, because need as many people as possible, but we don't really need to convince the people who are just going to deny the science.
0: I think in terms of navigating that, it's really important to sort of understand where they're coming from. It's a very scary thing, and as the research I've done and talking to psychologists that specialise in environment and natural disaster... It is so hard for people to face reality in instances like this, but I really think that education is key, and I think that for people to be able to truly recognise this, they need their leaders to recognise it.
2: You just have to, like, have these conversations. And so, yeah, by 2040, I hope, after we've reached net zero emissions and started Drawdown, I would hope that youth don't get out of bed fearing what the future is going to look like or... The impacts that are already being felt by millions around the world and I like youth to think decision makers and those who should be leading have taken all the means possible to really reverse um, the climate crisis and yeah I really hope this can all happen by 2040 I guess.
0: How old will I be in the year 2040? That's some quick maths right there. I'll be 37 in the year 2040. Being involved in the School Strike for Climate movement has definitely had an impact on what I want to do for the future. Um, I was originally interested in psychology and counselling, just people in general, but after all the research and all the people that I've talked to that have been so devastated by the climate crisis, I really want to be able to dedicate my time and energy as an environmental scientist or as a psychologist that specifically focuses on the impacts of climate change.
2: I think a simple action that is really effective for everyone to take is to really find the group organisation collective that is already tackling the climate crisis that we're facing and figure out what every person has and is able to contribute what privileges they have that others don't which they can contribute because I think we have to move past this idea of singular actions they are necessary but then we need to be mobilizing as a global community to really fight this issue because it is huge and we do need transformative and unprecedented change around the comments by Scott Morrison saying now's not the time to talk about it well really when is the time like they refuse to talk about it when the impacts aren't so obvious and now the impacts are just so clear where only at the start of the fire season if we're not going to talk about the climate crisis which has accelerated and intensified these fires these extreme weather events now then when are we going to talk about this across australia senior fire chiefs who at the start of this year asked scott morrison to have a meeting about the impacts of the climate crisis is having on the fires and how it's going to worsen those.
0: I think politicians on a federal level definitely need to step up to be able to truly make sure that natural disasters like the bushfires that are currently ravaging the country don't happen again and when they do happen, happen with much less severity.
2: Scott Morrison's obviously feeling the heat from people who are now beginning to really understand, make the connections between the drought, between the fires the floods and all the extreme weather events that we're seeing
0: On a state level, I'm very lucky to live in Victoria with a Premier like Dan Andrews that is able to fight for change and does want to have renewable energy by the year 2050. However, it's not soon enough. So today, our Solidarity sit-down is really about putting pressure on politicians, not only at a national level, but also at a state level, to really come together and make change that will better our society as a whole.
1: I'm Fatma, I'm 19, and initially I started off with the school's track for Climate Movement. However, now that I'm in uni, I'm trying to see where I fit in, but I'm still very much part of the whole climate family, basically. We don't really care about how big or how small each action is, it's just that we're consistent, um, and we keep going, and we're not going to stop no matter what. So uh, a few of my experiences and highlights include At the beginning, not many people knew what climate striking was. If I went up to someone, two out of three people had no idea what I was talking about. Actually, when I was promoting March 15th, that was sort of an issue. You know, I'd be like, hey, have you heard of the climate strike? And they'd be like, no, what's that? But now it's everybody knows. There's not a single person that does not know what I'm saying. And it's crazy to know that I was part of that from the beginning. Chris Hemsworth attended the (laughs) Bondi Beach strike, so that was a really, obviously, really good win. And um, not only that, but he listed the three demands that School Strike for Climate has on his Instagram post. You know, he heard us, and he's reiterating. Um, And I think the fact that so many celebrities, you know, Billie Eilish, Shawn Mendes, a lot of people out there are just listening in and they're supporting us. And I think that's a huge win because these people have a massive following and they influence um, a lot of people, a lot of teenagers growing up. Maybe we aren't getting politicians on our side but the rest of the world is. What sort of dialogue do you have with your parents about the work that you do in the climate movement? Now, at the beginning it was a bit tough trying to get them on my side because they weren't sure with what I was doing but then when I sort of explained to them everything from A to Z they understood where I was coming from and they understood that it's not a um, that it's about education you know it's about understanding that i'm standing up for facts i'm standing up for science and so yeah they're pretty supportive and it's pretty nice my whole extended family is pretty supportive of everything so yeah if everyone walked away and took one action today what would you hope that might be um to keep going to be consistent because i think with every movement that you've seen throughout history Success only comes when people are persistent and when they keep going. The action can be little, it can be uh, big, but if it's consistent, that's what matters. So I think whoever turned out today, if they keep turning out, hopefully it won't be their last strike or last sort of action involving climate. That's what I'd like them to do. And also, of course, get their friends to come along. Our first speaker is Jai Allen Wright, a young actor,
2: writer, director, and facilitator. It is with
4: great heart and great sadness that I stand here before you today. This time last week, I sat and wept. As I came to understand, the same places I came to learn everything about myself were suddenly gone. Those same places that I visited and spent time with my mob, those same places that I learned my very culture, the very inherent being of myself and my people, it can't be visited again. Fires, rubbish, and wreck through that landscape. When we talk about climate justice, we're talking about deconstructing colonialism. We're talking about saying that this thinking is not good enough. This thinking does not serve us. This thinking does not serve each other. And we must change. We don't just slap a panel on top of the roof. That is not our solution. So my name is Jai Ellen Rye. I'm a Wunjumbada Mananjali Jinambara man from Yugambia Nation. So I identify as Maori. From Queensland, but I live down here in Curie Nation right now, and I do a lot of work with Seed Mob, which is the national uh, Indigenous youth climate movement, part of Aycc, the Australian Youth Climate Coalition. Indigenous people have been displaced from their custodial lands. They've had white fellow law imposed on them that prevents them from exercising their responsibilities, their obligations, from exercising a relationship with the land, a view, a paradigm, a way of living, a way of living that is truthful and sustains civilizations, sustains health.
2: When the media report on bushfires, they talk a lot about the loss of life and physical property. What do you think that the media should also be talking about in regards to recent bushfires?
4: The media should be looking at solutions. So these are the problems, but what are the solutions? It's poor me, poor me, but we had the solutions right here. If we were putting that out into the living rooms, perhaps we'd all find a way to put our differences aside and work together to enact the solutions. What
1: would you really like to see more of?
4: I think an impactful response to climate change is a paradigm change. And this comes back to my relationship with country as a First Nations man. It's about acknowledging that the way First Nations people have thought... Actually, has a direct correlation with how we manifest actions in the outside world. To know country is to know myself, and to know country is to know everything that I am, and it is to know everything that I ever will be. To know country is to understand my potential. To know country is to know love. Because country is outside of the ego. Country is outside of fear. And the society that we live in, the society that is programmed with a thinking that is colonialism, that paradigm is what has destroyed Aboriginal culture. And it's that same paradigm that brings us all here today because we are facing the ultimate destructive effects of that thinking and way of living. Colonialism comes from a paradigm that starts with destruction, internal self-destruction, to then manifesting that outwardly to other people and to the natural world. Imagine if we changed that, what the world would look like now, what it could look like in the future, what leadership truly looks like would we really be holding back? Because right now we're acting in fear. But when your mind is back on country, when you get out of your own way and prioritise country and your decisions are filtered through country and what's best for the natural world, that's when things start to change. That's when we become heart-based.
1: Can you summarise or tell us a little bit about your vision for a better world? What could the year 2040 look like?
4: You know, I, I have a vision, but... I don't even think that's half of what it could look like. I think the world that we want to live in, we can't even imagine that yet. If we actually truly decolonized, if we actually truly worked in each other's interests and in the interests of the natural world, there are things that we can't even envision. I think some of the things that were coming up for me the past couple of days, when I was asked to contribute, there's a part of you that has imposter syndrome. Are you the right person for this? Will you get your message across? Do you even have a message? Again, not sitting in that fear, that self-destruction, that colonialism, but saying, I choose something bigger than that. I choose something bigger than me. I'm here to serve everyone. And if one person is affected by this then we're doing the work because sometimes the work is just one person at a time but that's what it takes put your attention on country improve your relationship with country improving your relationship with country is improving your relationship with yourself and everything that you can be it's a promise that we all hold within us when we're informed by, by the land, we actually have everything that we need.
0: Ali is a bushfire survivor from Yarra Glen, Victoria. She's an artist, and she has worked with the charcoal from the ashes of her home, which was lost in the Black Saturday fires. We are the lived experiences of a direct effect of climate change. This is our lives. What breaks my heart is that even though we know the climate is changing, our government has done nothing except offer thoughts and prayers. It breaks my heart that Sienna is here instead of at school today. And it breaks my heart when I think about how she might have to live with a climate that is hostile to life. The climate is becoming extreme. And that's why I'm taking this opportunity to talk about climate change and bushfires, because they are so very obviously linked. I've been waiting to talk about climate change for 10 years, and still they tell me it's not the right time. Well, how dare you? How dare you, Scott Morrison, tell us the people who have survived bushfires that it's not time to talk about climate change. I was a part of a two-month off-the-grid sustainability camp. And being in an environment like that, not only was I able to connect with myself and others and improve relationships with my friends and families and teachers of the camp, create a spiritual connection with the land around us. And I think that 2040 could be such a beautiful year for our population. We have so many incredible people that are doing amazing things and creating amazing products and amazing ways to be able to make Earth a safer, happier place. I think it's so important for us to band together as a movement for climate justice and climate crisis to be able to connect together over it and ultimately bring us all so much joy.
1: If you were to suddenly be able to step into the shoes of the Prime Minister tomorrow, what's the first thing that you would do in office? <laughs>
4: I think the most direct action to, <laughs> to restoring some semblance of sanity in this country, if I was to step into the feet of the Prime Minister tomorrow morning, I would get the biggest committee together I could possibly get to restore as many sovereign rights uh, First Nation people as possible. Let's protect land, let's protect water, And let's do what's responsible.
3: So I think you'll agree, if you've been following the School Strike for Climate movement since its beginnings in Castlemaine, Victoria, by three students inspired by Greta's Fridays for Future, that the movement has changed. And the simplest way is that it has grown. September 20th of this year saw over 300,000 strikers in Australia. But the members themselves have also grown. I had the pleasure of speaking to Fatima and Marco nearly a year ago. And now they're both in the university phase of their life and looking ahead beyond the secondary school strikes. The movement has also evolved. What started as a way to voice anger and frustration and fear at a disconnected government... Hostile to their future is still that, but it's also platforming and highlighting the pressing vital conversation on indigenous rights and solutions in the climate emergency. It's creating space for bushfire survivors when all other venues are closed to them or only paying lip service. What today's Solidarity Sit-Down in NARM, Melbourne showed was a dynamic movement that's going into 2020 strong and ready to be part of and also shape the conversation. And I say it showed for a reason, because you can actually see it. The Impact team of 2040 reached out to Climactic after our recent roundtable panel with Marco, Fatima, and Natalie, and we worked out a collaboration. Highlights of the day and these interviews will be on 2040's social media, and those links will be added to the show notes of this episode as soon as they go live. And 2040 will be pointing their sizable following to us if they would like to go beyond the short videos. We appreciate the chance to work with that team so much. And I'd like to say thank you on behalf of Climactic. And finally, I'd like to touch on one point Marco made.
2: I think a simple action that is really effective for everyone to take is to really find the group, organization, collective that is already tackling the climate crisis that we're facing and figure out what every person
3: has. If you're someone with the desire to work with audio or know someone that is, Let it be known Climactic is a wide tent with an open door. We welcome collaborators, contributors, and new members of our collective, but we'd be nowhere without our listeners. Thank you all for being with us, and stay safe out there in these Climactic times. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Climactic, the flagship podcast of the Climactic Collective a podcast network dedicated to lifting the voices of the climate community. You can find out more about the people behind Climactic and all the shows we produce at climactic.fm. We are a social enterprise podcast network, and we greatly appreciate your support. You can find a link to our Pausable where you can support us directly in the show notes of this episode or from our website. Thank you for listening. And from the whole Climactic Collective, keep up the great work and take care of each other in these climactic times. The Climactic Collective This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in NARM, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch head to hearmedia.studio, that's H-E-R-E media.studio.